Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. And we are concluding our mini-series on homeschooling today. And again, this series will benefit any family, whether or not you're actively homeschooling, you might be forced to homeschool during some type of lockdown, or you may just uh, find yourself wanting to investigate more of what homeschooling entails. We've done seven episodes in this series, but there's three episodes I just like to draw your attention to by way of conclusion in this series. The first was episode 304. It wasn't the first in the series, but it was the episode, The Value of Fathers in Homeschooling. It's a little bit of perspective that I think I, I brought to you, and it's worth paying attention to, because very often when you begin homeschooling, uh, the mother sharing a huge part of this responsibility just dives into choosing a curriculum. And there's a bigger picture here of what I was trying to convey in episode 304 about the value of fathers in homeschooling. And then right along with that, perhaps even more important, and this is probably somewhat unique, at least in Catholic circles, what I brought to you, it may seem a little theoretical, but episode 306, which we talked about homeschooling's ability to refunctionalize the family. And I realize that might not sound like much without a whole lot of explanation, but that's episode 306. If you have any trust in uh, what I'm trying to convey to you in this series, that episode might be something to pay particular attention to. And then third, it's the episode today, which I'm entitling The Need for a Personal Attachment to Christ, and along with that, a transformation by grace into the image of Christ, a real deep change. And I think so highly of this topic and its relation to homeschooling and Catholic family life in general that I've been spending the last few years working on a book uh, on this very topic, and today's going to be a real mini introduction to it. The book should be coming out after the first of the year, and it will be entitled Transforming Grace, the Key to Rescuing Young Catholics Drowning in a Secular Culture. And we've got a secular culture, our country, our culture, and even mixed signals coming from our church or from within our church have led to a really serious situation for families trying to raise faithful children. Now, here is my warning, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time developing the situation in our country, our culture, and our church that may be challenging to raising children, but here's what I want to say. In my estimation, homeschooling as traditionally practiced, is not strong enough to overcome these challenges in our country, culture, and mixed signals in our church, okay? And by traditionally practiced, I'm talking about you pick up a book on homeschooling, and so much of it is, you know, is it 
curriculum A or curriculum B? Do you know what do I do in for a computer or software for schooling and all that type of thing? And what I'm going to be sharing today, I would say, is about a hundred times more important for the eternal welfare of your children. And this is what I want to drive across: is that what children need and adults and clergy, and laity, everyone needs, but particularly as you're raising children, they need a life-changing knowledge that is so central to a personal attachment to Christ. And very often, we approach the spiritual formation of people as something that takes place in a classroom. Why? because if we convey religious information to their minds, they become faithful Catholics. There's more to it. Please hear this. And you might say, well, I'm gonna move from a traditional classroom to homeschooling. There's more to it than simply filling the mind with information, even good religious information. And if you know me at all, I love religious information, try to give it to you week after week, month after month, year after year, but there is actually something more of it and should be the prime goal of your homeschooling. It, if you're not homeschooling, it still should be the prime goal of the spiritual formation of your children. And it's this, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there's a whole lot to read. In fact, there's 2,865 paragraphs. It's easy to kind of get lost in the forest. There's so, so many trees. But if you really want one paragraph worth paying attention to for your home school, for your Catholic family, for the eternal welfare of your family and your children, it's this. It's in the prologue of the Catechism of the Catholic Church begins with these words. These words are so critical to the spiritual formation of your children, and here they are. Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. In my estimation, these are some of the most important words in the entire catechism. These are the first words in the entire catechism. And notice something. This is Jesus's high priestly prayer. This is his prayer. He prays for his church shortly before going to the cross. But notice that Jesus equates a particular type of knowledge with eternal life. Jesus prays, Father, this is eternal life that they may know you. Have we often thought of this? Now, what type of knowledge are we talking about? In the scriptures, these are not coming from a Greek setting where if you imagine a human being from a Greek worldview point of view, just kind of like a little one-inch stick figure and a five-inch head, and that the head is targeted with information, and that's the critical thing. In the Hebrew worldview, everything's proportionate, and knowledge, where there's obviously facts and religious facts and everything and historical facts and grammatical facts, 
But what the Bible, when it's speaking about knowing God, the type of knowledge that Jesus was praying for that leads to eternal life is a deeply interpersonal knowledge. The first time the verb to know is used in the Bible is way back in Genesis, where it says that Adam knew his wife Eve. It was talking about the intimacy, the interpersonal union, sexual union, between the first husband and the first wife. Now, there is a weak substitute for genuine knowledge, and this is what I'm saying in that so often this weak type of knowledge is regarded as the essential knowledge that will lead one's children to eternal life. And the weak substitute, I just would term, and others use this term, notional knowledge. And notional knowledge is too weak for our culture, and it's too weak for many people to reach eternal life. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 29, 13. And Jesus basically used these words in a slightly different format in quoting in the New Testament. But here it goes. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment of men learned by rote. Isaiah 29:13. Now, I'm a big believer of rote learning. I'm a big believer in memorization, both of religious topics, scripture topics, historical topics, you name it. But ultimately, this is this is the heart here. This is the key is that it's not just repeating something with the mouth while their heart is far from me. And I've said this before, and I'm going to probably say it my goal would be at least 5,000 more times before I retire from Catholic radio. The heart in Scripture does not refer to the emotions. If you want a part of the body's anatomy that refers to the emotion, it would be the bowels, or what we would say, my gut. That's the seat of the emotions. You obviously have the mind. We're supposed to love God with all our strength, our body, our mind, but also our heart. And the heart is the deepest part of the person, the the profoundest part of the person. It's the place that has to be engaged for the true knowledge of God. Now, how does this get activated? In the New Testament, there are terms that go by the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption. Both mean the exact same things. The spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption. And these scriptural terms describe how the Holy Spirit brings a deep personal awareness that one is loved by God the Father in heaven. This is something the Holy Spirit brings. Just as a child grows up and says, Daddy and Mommy, and knows his or her place in the world and basically your whole outlook of life begins with mommy and daddy. Well, there's something that's brought, and this is a warm-up. God gives the family as a warm-up, so to speak, or a springboard to lead to this ultimate knowledge that human beings should have. This is the goal, 
and that you know, you know deep within that you are loved by God and God loves you as a father loves a child because not kinda, you are his child. You want to fly me half across the United States to speak to your Catholic school? Or do you want to invite me across town? I'll tell you what verse I will be using. It's Romans 5, 5. I've yet to go into a classic, excuse me, a Catholic classroom where students could even find Romans 5, 5. And yet Romans 5, 5 should be the heart and the goal of conveying that type of knowledge that the catechism opens with from John 17 that leads to eternal life. Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. The early church, the church at Rome, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, there were problems in the early church, and certainly their cultural situation, their country situation, it was a pagan empire. There's all kinds of bad things going on around them, and yet they had this. They had the experiential knowledge that God loved them. They didn't have sophisticated catechisms yet and all the church councils and the knowledge that came from that, the Nicene Creed. They didn't have all this. They didn't have a written New Testament yet, but they did have this. And this is what changed the world. Romans 5.5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Now, right along with that, you can go to Romans 8 or Galatians 4.6. Galatians 4.6 I picked because it's a little bit more explicit. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, you know, at least once in your life, attend a Catholic conference, you're in mass, or you're homeschooling, or having family devotions, we should be hearing people say, Abba, Father. I heard this happen once without any preparing young people at all. This started coming out. God loves me. God really loves me. You know, not saying a, a, a CCD teacher trying to tell kids or a parent trying to tell homeschool kids, God really loves you. I mean, you should certainly do that, but there's this firsthand, direct, immediate witness that God loves them. That's knowing God. And homeschooling or parochial schooling or CCD will not be up to the task in the 21st century without forming the heart to know God. This is, this is the essence of what we want to go to. So, you know, if you're a parent, you are homeschooling or thinking about it, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Seriously. And I realize the temptation, don't sweat the standardized testing. Don't sweat what your relatives are going to say. Don't sweat figuring out what program to use or what curriculum to do. That's secondary. Nice stuff, but secondary. It's Romans 5.5. 5. You want your children to know intimately, personally, 
that they are loved by God the Father and that knowledge brought to them by the Holy Spirit. Now, here is the key. Only people who have experienced Romans 5.5 can pass on Romans 5.5. So again, there are so many things that can kind of distract you. You know, they say in baseball, keep your eye on the ball. You can't hit it if you don't keep your eye on it. And you can't be a success in homeschooling without keeping your eye on John 17, knowing God is eternal life. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God the Father, the spirit of sonship comes affirming to us firsthand, directly, personally, immediately that we're children of God. Now, this should guide you as a parent. You're trying to you know, pick a youth group for your child, youth group A or youth group B. Romans 5.5 5 is your key. Remember that only leaders, youth group leaders or scout leaders or coaches or a college, including the professors, a camp, a retreat experience, or a CCD experience, only leaders who have experienced Romans 5.5 can pass on Romans 5.5, okay? Pope Benedict said it in a much more articulate way, but I want you to have it in a way that you can remember. And the same thing comes for you as a parent. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want to embarrass the living daylights out of my friend, Scott Hahn, okay? I'm going to give you two facts about Scott Hahn. Uh, Number one, there are many theologians and scripture scholars just as smart as Scott. I don't know if you're aware how many really smart people have gone on and studied theology, multiple PhD degrees, uh, studying scripture, um, church history. There's a lot of smart people. And there's theologians just as smart as Scott. Okay, that's fact number one. Fact number two, young people who hear Scott speak at a conference all of a sudden seem to get energized in their faith and rush to fill out an application for the University of Steubenville. Hmm. Or an adult. <laughs> You've already been through college or not going to college. You buy a ton of his books and start pouring through his books because whatever he had that he conveyed to you, you want to get. Well, you'd say, you know, I've never heard anyone speak like that about the faith before. I'm going to tell you why. This is fact number three. Fact one, there's a lot of smart people out there who are theologians, just as smart as Scott. But fact two, Scott seems to have an oversized impact on people. Fact three, why? And if I put it in a nutshell, I would say Scott lives and breathes Romans 5.5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. 
I'm holding in my hand right now. I'm not even going to tell you the title because you're going to go out and try to find it. Oh, I'll tell you. It's it's entitled Children of God. It's out of print. You can probably get it for a couple bucks on Amazon. It's one of the most precious books in my library. This book was given to me from uh, Scott and Kimberly Hahn in 1994. And when Scott gave me the book, he found it. We're at a conference together, and he was at a nearby used bookstore, and um, this is about a second or third copy of, of the book. And he said, this book best summarizes where I've come to in understanding Catholicism. Understanding Catholicism. Now, if you were going to write 2,600 paragraphs describing the Catholic faith in a catechism, if you're a good author, you, you don't try to hide what the main point is. And in the preamble, they didn't. Eternal life is knowing God as Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Title this book is Children of God. That's what Scott was saying, that the whole identity of truly, really being the children of God is the essence of what Jesus came to do, the whole plan of redemption, the heart of the Catholic faith. So that's Scott has it, okay? And remember, you got to have it to pass it on. So he is a kind of a living and breathing uh, preamble to the catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, what happens when you know God deeply in your heart? Remember, the heart is the very center of the person, and the Holy Spirit has to touch the heart with that knowledge. Well, if you know anything about Scott, I mean, he has a library that's just beyond comprehension. When he moved to Steubenville years ago, the moving van had to take back roads. It was too heavy for the interstates. So what happens to the mind once the heart is touched? Hear this. We put so much emphasis on trying to get the mind engaged, and then our children go ho-hum and walk away from it. At least two-thirds are, or almost two-thirds, 60%, who attend church as a youth walk away in young adulthood. Well, what happened to Scott? You get the heart touched, and then you want your mind to develop on a level equal to what your heart is. And basically, from your heart, your mind has this insatiable desire to know God better through your mind as well as your heart. And then there's one last part of this. It's so overwhelmingly good and great that you just can't keep it to yourself. You have to share it with others. And honestly, that explains my friend Scott Hahn. Now, you think, well, <laughs> I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I, I can't be like Scott. No. The essence of what gives Scott his punch, so to speak, is, is heart to heart. You have to have it to pass it on. Now, where do you find this? Now, this isn't for just the few. This isn't for just the hyper-intelligent. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, he says, And I tell you, ask, and it will, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
And everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then what does Jesus say right after that? Or what father of you, if his child asks for something, doesn't give it to him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the promise of the Son of God. This isn't me. This isn't some book I read. This is the very promise of Jesus. This isn't just for the select few. This is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And as a parent, your challenge is to ask, seek, and knock, and get your children to do the same. Ask your children to pray for you. You pray for your children. Find somebody in your parish to pray for you. And just a little bit of a caution, still still waters run deep. Uh, If you're sailing and you're looking for a deep water because of you want to catch a current, it's the, it's the calm waters is the deep waters. The ones stirring up a lot of attention on the surface, that's shallow waters. Americans sometimes tend to fall for religious showmen versus um, people who have it. Um, Benedict XVI had it, and he's an introvert. Introverts have Romans 5.5, 5, just as well as extroverts, okay? In fact, I was at a conference where a religious showman was just hyping it up, and Scott was so beside himself, he stood up and told people, no, go get yourself anchored in your faith. You know, he kind of almost put a damper on this thing going on, okay? So just ask someone who you're have a hunch that uh, they've experienced Romans 5, 5, have them pray for you. You pray for your children. And listen to Pope Benedict XVI at the 26th World Youth Day in Madrid. He said this, the Christian faith is not only a matter of believing that certain things are true, but above all, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is an encounter with the Son of God that gives new energy to our whole existence. When we enter into a personal relation with him, Christ reveals our true identity, and in friendship with him, our life grows towards complete fulfillment. Faith is, first of all, a personal adherence to God. And along with that, if you want a prayer, and by the way, just send a quick email to askthehost at gmail.com. I'll get you that quote from Benedict XVI. I'll print out Romans 5.5, and then I'll also give you this prayer for the spirit of adoption from the Easter vigil. O God, who make this most sacred night radiant, stir up in your church a spirit of adoption, so that renewed in body and mind we may render you undivided service. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 309 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.